Asylum's Dr. Stephanie Smith joins us on Solving Water to tackle two big topics that are intrinsically connected to water, climate change and COVID-19. In a recent article, Dr. Smith lays out the three ways the United States Environmental Protection Agency classifies climate change as a threat to water quality, while also drawing potential connections with these issues to the likelihood of another pandemic. The inherent connection among these three complex global crises is fascinating with many challenges to solve and solutions to explore. Here, Dr. Smith takes us further into the tangled world of climate change and its far-reaching impact on the world's most essential resource, water. Here's the discussion. Good morning. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, and I am delighted to welcome Dr. Stephanie Smith, Product Segment Manager for Integrated Systems and Services with Xylem. Uh, Stephanie, hello. How are you? Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Amanda. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, there's so much that we can talk about today, considering so much has happened since the pandemic began. But just maybe uh, for our listeners, we, you could start by uh, telling us your background and what you do for Xylem. Ah, oh, sure. Yeah, I'm so I'm actually a microbiologist by training. Um, I did my doctoral work at the Ohio State University, um, and I worked a lot with uh, sort of the enzymology and biochemistry of photosynthesis. And when you do that in a microbiology department, you pretty naturally will end up studying cyanobacteria. And uh, for people who may not be familiar, cyanobacteria are sometimes called blue-green algae. And those are the, the uh, culprits in harmful algal blooms that are a big environmental issue. So uh, as one thing led to another, I, I postdoced at Battelle Memorial Institute, where I did a lot of work in uh, kind of national defense and biosecurity and some work associated with harmful algal blooms. And, and I really ended up sort of establishing my expertise in harmful algal blooms that led me to doing a lot of work with water quality and, you know, sort of the realization uh, around, I would say actually around 2008, that uh, I was going to be working, I wanted to work in the water industry. And so um, that eventually did lead me to Xylem, where I'm really, really happy to be uh, deeply involved with the YSI organization and matters of water quality and uh, water sustainability. That's great. Well, we're so fortunate to have you on the Xylem team. And uh, just to get started with the discussion in my intro, I mentioned your blog post on climate change and that triangular connection it has with water quality and COVID-19. Um, and I'm just curious what motivated you to write this article almost a year after the pandemic hit? Yeah, well, I, I noticed there, there are a couple of reasons I was motivated to write that article. Um, one thing is that, you know, as COVID and, you know, the pandemic really took over our lives and the news cycles, um, I realized that other issues that were really just as important were kind of pushed aside, you know, so 
that includes things here in the United States, for example, that includes things like mass shootings and gun control. You know, those are still really big problems here. And those that kind of got pushed to the side. And, and in a more global sense, uh, climate change, I think, is is maybe the most pressing issue of our time. And that kind of got pushed out of our minds as we focused on the pandemic. And I often think about these really big picture issues and how they're connected. And, and I started thinking about my training as a microbiologist and pathogenic microbiology and virology and really started to think about how these things are all completely connected. They are not you know, siloed, segregated topics. You know, I think it's, it's really natural for us as humans to sort of compartmentalize these topics. It helps us digest them. It, it helps us understand them and helps us cope with them. But I wanted to remind uh, both, you know, the, the kind of customer base that follows our blog and my colleagues at Xylem, I wanted to remind us all that the pandemic doesn't displace the issues of climate change or clean water. In fact, it, it amplifies those issues. It, it should amplify our, the importance of those issues in our minds because they're all interconnected. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely got that from, from the article that you wrote. Um, Thank you and, for reading it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. It's wonderful. Um you know, in that article, you reference uh, the U.S. EPA and how the EPA outlines three ways that climate change threatens global water quality. So could you review for us what those are? Sure, sure. And um, and I think it's important for, for listeners to understand these are this is just the U.S. EPA's take um, on how climate change threatens water quality. I think it's a pretty good take though. And so that's why I cited it. So the one that uh, they mentioned, I'm gonna go a little bit in a different order here, but one that they mentioned, for example, is erosion and sedimentation. Um, erosion of course is, you know, you get really high flows of water through a natural waterway and that, that erodes the soils and, it carries those soils to a different place. And those soils eventually are gonna settle in that new place. And that's the sedimentation part of erosion and sedimentation. Um, you know, that's a real problem as we start clearing lands for agriculture, not start, we've been doing this for millennia. Um, but it's a real problem because soil, you know, Soil is really important, believe it or not. It's really as important as water, if not more important, because it becomes the foundation of um, a lot of plant, plant life, plant growth, wildlife thriving and so forth. All of that is rooted in our soils, quite literally and figuratively. Um, so erosion and sedimentation is the first area that the EPA cites as being a major issue related to climate change. The second one, they talk about that is near and dear to my heart is harmful algal blooms. Um, you know, that erosion and sedimentation, those same processes are often delivering uh, really nutrient rich water to our waterways and ultimately to places like the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. And 
you know, that that's stimulating red, the Florida red tide. It's stimulating other types of red tide. It's stimulating the, the growth of microcystis in Lake Erie. Um, and this is, this is a big issue for the world right now. Um, and then the third area that the EPA cites that actually is kind of a pet topic for me in 2021 and doing a lot of research on this topic is stormwater runoff. We all think about stormwater in our cities, you know, we see it draining out of our streets, but stormwater runoff is a huge issue. And, you know, often we don't think about it until we're thinking about flooding, but, you know, stormwater runoff from our cities and other types of infrastructure delivers a lot of pollution into our waterways. And it's, it's an issue that I'm really starting to dig in on here recently. And one of the issues that the EPA says is really directly tied to climate change. So that's really interesting. Um, my next question for you is going to be, you know, this is what the EPA ties to climate change, the, the factors threatening water quality. Um, but are there others that you feel didn't make this list that you feel strongly should be on this list? Or is it really just this, this stormwater runoff kind of rising to the top as the, as the thing that you're really digging into right now? That's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I would probably, I would probably add maybe two more things to that list. Um, one of them would be kind of reduced ice cover, reduced glaciation, you know, the, the big ice melt issues happening in our polar regions. Um, and that's kind of a feedback, you know, that, that ice melt issue that's, you know, deglaciation, if you will, that kind of gets into a positive feedback loop with climate change um, in impacting the effects of global warming and so forth. You know, as those water masses start changing, um, it, it impacts and feeds into these other issues, especially um, increased storm and, and weather patterns that lead to stormwater runoff, sedimentation and so forth. So, so I would maybe add uh, ice melt, um, decreasing glaciers and so forth to that list. The other thing I would add to that list is kind of on the opposite end is drought. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing expansion of desert areas. We're seeing more drought that leads to things like wildfires and so forth. How does that relate to water quality? Um, you know, I was looking online one time and I saw they have these reservoirs in California, for example, you know, and they've had a lot of drought out West in the, in North America. And, you know, they're covering these reservoirs with like plastic balls to prevent evaporation from those reservoirs um, because they're getting so not getting enough rainfall not getting enough recharging of their reservoirs. And, as those water, as there's drought and water levels start dropping in reservoirs, lakes, rivers, it also declines the quality of that water because stuff that's dissolved in that water becomes more concentrated. That makes the water harder to treat. 
Um, it threatens other aspects of the hydrologic cycles that that water is a part of. Uh, so, so it's kind of interesting because sometimes when you think about water quality, people think, well, that's separate from drought because drought is a lack of water. <laughs> so so it, it almost seems illogical to think drought impacts water quality when there's no water to impact. But in fact, drought conditions are a really big problem for water quality and water treatment in general. It makes it really hard to handle and manage your water resources when there's drought. Wow. And this is super interesting to me, what you're saying about just the things that we don't think of when we think of climate change or like you're saying drought and water quality don't seem to go hand in hand, but actually they're very related. And so, you know, this, this concept of water combined with climate change is like water is sort of creating this ideal breeding ground for the spread of things like viruses and, and some of these issues that we're having with climate change. But it's also arguably um, the most important tool we have in combating things like this disease. So, you know, can, can you share your perspective on kind of that? sort of one begets the other topic? Yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a feedback there, right? I mean, declining water quality really makes it hard to combat a situation like the pandemic. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that you really have to have when you're dealing with any health crisis is clean water. You need it to run your medical facilities. You need it to wash your hands. Uh, you need it for sanitary sewage. You know, uh, fecal matter is one of the, the primary transmitters of disease. And you can't manage that properly without a reliable water source. And so, so on the one hand, um, you know, water can be a delivery of contaminants and pathogens. But on the other hand, water is the solution to dealing with contaminants and pathogens. So yeah, I guess I could, I've never quite thought about it the way you just put it, that water is the problem and the solution. Um, you know, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle for, for the problem. It's a vehicle for the pollutants and the contaminants. But carefully curated and treated water is also the solution to the problems that are caused by those contaminants. Sure. Um kind of moving in a different direction regarding climate change. Um, I feel like every media outlet, you know, ranging from CNN.com to the Washington Post, they've been covering some of these like seismic shifts in our global weather patterns. So we're talking record temperatures, either lows or highs, 100 and 500 year floods occurring every two or three years. Um, rare windstorms happening in the Midwest, uh, major increases in the amount of snow, rain, tornadoes, hurricanes. So all this stuff is happening. And I think that that generally comes to mind when we think of climate change, The climate change is, 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 is causing these things to happen. Um, but in your blog, you talk about how 
you know, there are some lesser known effects of climate change on our water supplies and water quality. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those. Well, I think there are things, you know, water and water cycles are so foundational to everything on the planet that we take for granted how it's connected to all other aspects of our life on this planet. Um, you know, I think one of the things, you know, for example, this connection to the pandemic, this connection to COVID, you know, one of the things that uh, climate change is driving is, uh, you know, we're seeing changes uh, like we were talking about just now, deglaciation, reduction in areas that have snow cover. You know, they talk about how the snows of Kilimanjaro aren't quite there so much anymore, <laughs> you know, things like that. Well, it ends up that a lot of, um, you know, we could just look at animals and migratory patterns of animals, for example, you know, animals that require snow cover or ice for their life cycles, you know, they're having to migrate farther and farther north now to fulfill those parts of their life cycles. Um, Similarly, we're seeing an expansion of the range of animals that, uh, that thrive in warmer climates. I mean, speaking even where I'm, actually, I'll give you a little more Stephanie history here. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm a microbiologist, but my very first research project for my master's thesis was about armadillos. <laughs> and this is, this is when I was a master's student um, at what was then called Southwest Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri. And the reason we had a project about armadillos was because armadillos were coming north. You know, when I was a kid growing up in the Ozarks, I had never seen an armadillo, never. But by the time I was in graduate school, 20 years later, um, you know, we were hitting them with our cars, just like the folks in Texas were. Wow. And so the question was, where are the damn armadillos coming from? Why are there armadillos in Missouri, right? And, and they're getting, they're moving into the colder middle, you know, up closer to Iowa even. And it used to be thought, well, armadillos can't live here because it's too cold. But, but there's definitely been, you know, very slow incremental change in the range of the armadillo driven by climate change. Now, uh, this is a bit of an extreme example, but armadillos, it ends up, are a reservoir for leprosy. Um, and they are actually a natural reservoir for leprosy. Now, don't think that everyone in Missouri is now getting leprosy from armadillos. That's not what I'm saying. But it does demonstrate that now there's a, there is a potential for exposure to a new disease reservoir. And that was driven by climate change. And that's we see that uh, with other types of diseases. And I think even COVID, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, these animal markets in China potentially having driven our exposure. There's definitely possible truth in that. But the reality is, in general now, humanity is pushing up against these natural barriers and we're engaging and interacting with the animal world in a very different way than we used to. Um, 
factory farming, for example, you know, is, is a huge reservoir for avian flu. And, you know, so we're, we're engaging with that side of um, animals and microbiology in a way that we haven't in our human history before. And so zoonoses and those types of diseases, um, there's more risk for them, I believe, because of climate change. So there seems to be a, a, just a host of, of aspects of climate change that are, that are directly related to water, whether that's water quality, water supply. So how does the industry begin to address these issues? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. And I think I think an important part of your question there is you say, how do we begin? <laughs> because, because I think I think something that's really important to realize is as an industry, I mean, this is these are tough issues to grapple with. And I don't think our industry alone solves the climate change problem. You know, the all the big industries have to be a part of this. Water, that's us, agriculture and food production, oil and gas, um, the, the big industries that drive the economies and lifestyles on the planet all play a role in working together on this. So, so I just want to mention that I don't think xylem alone solves a lot of these problems. We solve water, right? So, But I do think that xylem um, is uniquely positioned within the water industry more so than probably any other organization I can think of. And, and I think the reason Xylem is uniquely positioned is we're the only organization I can think of that works across the entire water cycle, right? From tap to sewer, from the environment to the city, we, we, we cover it all. And that positions us to do some things uh, that that most other companies in our industry and most other entities in our industry can't really do. And so I, I think that there are a few key things we can actually do. Um, one of them is we can learn from our customers. Um, so one of the things I love about my job, so I, I still like to think my, of myself as a scientist, <laughs> but let's face it, I'm not publishing, I'm not running a research lab, you know, I'm not doing ground, what I, what I call ground science right now. So I live a little vicariously through my customers um, and the best part of my job is getting to talk to those customers. And I learn from them. You know, I think we at Xylem have the opportunity to talk to the frontline people, whether they're scientists, municipal engineers, whoever they are, and learn how climate change is affecting their research findings, how it's affecting the management of their city, how it's affecting the management of their plant, and hearing from them what they need to deal with those impacts, that we're positioned to provide technologies for dealing with those things. And, and so the, 
the environmental issues drive the technology and the technology drives the solutions. But it also creates a general awareness of, you know, the causes, the root causes of the problems. And, and Xylem is positioned then to say something about those causes to policymakers. You know, we're big enough that we can potentially leverage ourselves politically. Um, and I think that actually our leadership does that very, very effectively. You know, when, when we pulled out of the Paris Accords, Patrick Decker came out and said, you know what, we believe that, that we belong in the Paris Accords and, and that we should be engaging the global community on issues of climate change. And so that's a very smart way, I think, to leverage our organization and our value system as an organization. I think there's, there's one other thing I would mention that I think we can do, and that's the Watermark Program. Um, that program is really, really important because it, it not only educates all of us as individuals, but we have an opportunity to really be more engaged with people who are the most heavily impacted by climate change. I think, you know, being professionals in an organization like Xylem, we can be a little insulated from those impacts. I mean, let's face it, here in the United States, we have an extraordinarily privileged lifestyle. And the people who are paying the heaviest price for climate change are often the poor and the underrepresented populations of the world. I feel like the Watermark Program is a way for us to be more connected to those impacts by being more engaged with those populations and the parts of the world that are being most heavily impacted. Um, so I think programs like that are an opportunity for us to participate and educate ourselves and to create more awareness about climate change issues. I couldn't agree more. The answer. That was a long <laughs> <couldn't>, answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's true and it's fantastic. And it actually leads me into my, my next question for you, which is, so you, you just told us some ways that Xylem can, can support and address these issues that we're facing from a climate change standpoint. Um, what are you personally working on right now that, uh, whether or not it's directly impacting climate change, I think we've we've learned from this discussion that pretty much everything we do uh, has some relation to climate change at some level. So, um, but I know specifically, like you, your, your passion topic is um, harmful algal blooms. You said you're doing some deeper digging into stormwater runoff. So, what are you working on right now that's specific to this issue that that you could share with us. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm working on a lot of things like everybody else at Xylem. Um, one of the most exciting though, is this stormwater campaign. And so uh, I'm a, I'm in the marketing group, by the way, in case you wondered, a lot of people think because I have a PhD that I work in R and D, but actually I'm in a marketing and I'm doing product management um, and technology development and sometimes that means a good old fashioned marketing campaign. Um, and one of the most exciting things I'm working on right now is a campaign about stormwater. 
And the reason that excites me so much and is so relevant for our topic today is because it gives me the opportunity to connect with other groups in Xylem who are doing things related to this topic of stormwater. So I'm not just launching a stormwater campaign to try to sell monitoring systems. You know, I'm launching a stormwater campaign to create awareness about what Xylem brings to the table on that topic. So I'm talking to some of the folks, for example, in the Xylem View Group, which is a really exciting new initiative. Um, and I'm really enjoying learning more about the BlueX technology and, and even learning more about, um, you know, some of the work we've done related to combined sewer, combined sewer overflows, CSOs. Um, so that's one of the things I'm working on right now. I, in fact, I, I, I'm writing a blog right now. I actually was typing it before we got on the phone. I'm writing a blog right now about stormwater monitoring for oil refineries. I, I started digging in on this and discovered there's this whole, this whole aspect of the EPA's NPDES permitting program that is just for oil refineries. I mean, that's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't know that. I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't know that, but so I would say the most exciting thing I'm working on right now is this stormwater initiative because I'm learning so many new things, and not just about stormwater, but about xylem and what we can bring to bear on the topic of stormwater. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to note for our listeners, um, Stephanie and I are from different parts of the business in xylem. And so it's always so fun to to learn from you as to what your group is working on and how it relates to what we're all working on all over the world and all over the company. Right, right. And that that is, again, one of the most unique things about Xylem is, um, you know, sometimes when you're in a business like YSI or some of the other businesses that were, that are acquisitions, right, where Xylem acquisitions um, I think there's initially, there's a stage that you go through of kind of acclimating to being part of a really large corporation. But once you recognize the power of that and the opportunity that it can present that you probably never even thought about before, um, it's an amazing thing. And, and we have the opportunity to have an impact now that I wouldn't have had at just at YSI if YSI was not a part of Xylem. Um, so it is one of the best things. And I, I really encourage people to reach out to your colleagues in other parts of the business. You'll learn something. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> just one last question for you, Stephanie. Um, you've got tons of background experience in different areas. Um, microbiology specifically, and now you're really invested in the water industry. And I know you have a lot more to contribute. I, I mean, we so appreciate you. Um, Thank you. But what is the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? The most important thing I've learned is that in my part of the world, we take water for granted. And we have to stop doing that. We take it for granted. You know, I live in the American Midwest 
And uh, this is a part of the world that, you know, a lot of parts of the, of the American Midwest have what's called a positive water recharge. You know, we don't worry about water shortages. The, the water I flush my toilet with is high quality drinking water. That's bizarre. <laughs> that is really bizarre. And, and so the most important thing I've learned is that we, we take water for granted. And as a consequence of that, we do not operate in a sustainable fashion. Um, so I think the most important thing I've learned, and I think Xylem is really doing a nice job of making sustainability a priority in our messaging now. The most important thing I've learned is that the way we are managing water resources globally is, is not sustainable. And a lot of that is because we live in pockets where we take water for granted. Um, and I've, I've done a lot of global traveling since I've been with Xylem, for which I'm eternally grateful. Um, and I do recognize that where I live and in many parts of the developed world, we take water for granted and we don't operate sustainably. So I think that's the most important thing I've learned. I'm up here in Milwaukee. So um, being near the Great Lakes, yeah, we, we certainly have a different perspective than other parts of the world. Yes, yes. And I lived in Ohio for 23 years, which is another Great Lakes state. And, you know, until those harmful algal blooms really started raging in Lake Erie, um, we, we did take it for granted. We really did. Well, Dr. Stephanie Smith, many thanks for joining us today. Um, your ability to educate and inform us on such complex and technical issues in a way that we can really take hold of is so appreciated and refreshing. Um, also, I love that you're from the Midwest, too. Um, <laughs> and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. To read Dr. Smith's blog post, check the link in the show notes. And more information about Xylem's analytics business can also be found at xylem.com. Don't forget to contact me directly at amanda.holloway at xylem.com with questions, feedback, or to be a guest on the show. Thanks again, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Amanda. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe 